0: Hello, I'm Shanine. Welcome to the Chit Chat Podcast, where we explore life through soulful conversation. I'm joined today by Donna Mackenzie-Smith, and we're going to explore her experience of creatively navigating the menopause. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Chit Chat podcast. I'm joined today by Donna Mackenzie Smith and we're going to explore some of the work that she does around supporting women through menopause. She has developed a website called Scrap Heap and I'm really looking forward to asking Donna some questions and understanding more about the work that she does in this area. So thank you so much for joining me today. Donna, it's absolutely lovely to have you on the podcast and I feel quite personally excited about interviewing you about this topic because I'm kind of entering into the age now where menopause is going to be the next step for me in my female journey and so I'm naturally becoming more interested in hormone balance and natural hormone production and that kind of thing. So the topics that you explore are quite interesting to me personally so I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into it with you. But to start with I'd love for you to just share a little bit more or just uh, to share who you are, what you do, and what interests you about the work that you do
1: at the moment? Okay, well, firstly, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I, too, was very excited to be here. Um, so I I had a stroke. I'm 58, and I had a stroke seven years ago. Um, previous to that, I was really fit, active, and healthy, and had a really fantastic life um my husband is a record producer and we used to have lots of really great bands come in the studio and I'd interview them and do all the social media which I really loved and I love going to the really small gigs that we used to go to but when I had my stroke my life changed completely um so I won't go straight into scrap heap I'll tell you a little bit more about myself in those few years I was three days before my 51st birthday when I had a stroke um it came out of the blue but it didn't in another way because both my grandmas on both sides had died very young from stroke so I knew that maybe genetically there was something in the gene pool that had not been found out so Um, when it happened, it was a bit like I knew this was going to happen at some point. So I wasn't surprised, but it did come out of the blue because I was, um, well within my BMI, didn't have high blood pressure, had none of the, the tick box things that would say I used to run a lot. So yeah, really fit and healthy. Um, and it sort of changed my life completely. My circle of friends changed. The things I could do had changed. Um, yeah, and life was really, it was really tough. Um, and who I am now is a completely different person. So I went through the menopause during my stroke recovery, which made that a really difficult place to be because obviously your um, physiotherapy, occupational therapy is all based on your stroke. And I had no idea I was going through the menopause pre-stroke. I'd had a blood test, and the doctor said, my GP said, "Oh, you you probably you're perimenopausal." Um, And then it literally happened exactly as well. The statistics are within um, the UK, women go through the menopause at the age of fifty-one, which I was bang on. I fitted into that category, um, which. You know, we all know it's not true. You know, there are so many varying ages of women who can go through the menopause. So, yeah, I'm also an artist. Um, I've been commissioned to do quite a few pieces of painting. Um, and I discovered I could paint. didn't know that until I had my stroke and I did a um, workshop with the Stroke Association, I was absolutely okay. terrified. I was so scared of actually picking up a piece of paper and putting something on it. And oh, Lordy, it blew my mind. I was so good. Um, and it's okay to say you're good at something, you know, um, you should be able to have that feeling of pride. Um, so having my stroke had meant that even though there were lots of negatives or some amazing positives. So I decided to carry on painting um, and I volunteered for the Stroke Association, helping them out with lots of different things, um, running support groups, um, giving lectures. Also at the um, Helen University um, for the trainee OTs, the occupational therapists, and I talk about my stroke and I talk about my OT experience. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm also a mum of 10. Um, yeah, wow. eight girls, two boys. My youngest is 14 and my eldest daughter is 40. Um, it's like plate spinning. Um, hence, I said I'll turn my phone off before we start this podcast because you can guarantee there's always somebody who needs me. And I'll get the little message that says, important if I don't answer and then I'll phone and they'll just say which dress do you think I should wear for tram lines or this that was, that was a real <laughs> one that happened this week and I'm like that might be important in your world but it's not really important in mine at the moment yeah. and I didn't answer because I was really busy <laughs> but they tend not to see that they just know that mum's always there at the end of the phone so yeah in a in a bit of a nutshell that's me and who I am now. Um, but yeah, feel free to ask me all about scrap heap and anything you like.
0: I will and also want to highlight that you've had such a difficult physical trauma and experience in a stroke and how traumatic that must have been for you to have to go through that recovery and at the same time experience the menopause as well and not have the guidance and support that you really needed with that at the time what i also want to highlight is how you found new purpose in that experience how you've transformed that difficult time into new skills such as painting that you didn't know that you had and a new outlook and a new purpose for your life so i just really want to Acknowledge that and how wonderful it is that in that dark, difficult period, you found light for yourself in new activities and new skills that you could develop and share, and also using your experience to help to train others as well. That's, you know, such a wonderful way of using difficult experiences. I think if you can turn them around and use the knowledge and the wisdom that you gain from that experience to help others have a better time if they go through something similar. So I would love to know more about Scrap Heap. I'm happy to just let you explore that in your own time and way. What would you like to share with the listeners about what you do with Scrap Heap?
1: Well, I I think I'll start at the point where I wasn't really feeling positive and um, I'd not really thought about the menopause I would obviously gone through it so the way your class is going through the other side of menopause is if you have 12 consecutive months without a period you're then classed as going through the menopause I didn't know that um, until um, I'd been five six years without a period then had a massive pain one day and had a bleed, and ha- end up. You're supposed to go and see a GP, who then refers you to gynaecology. And it was a gynaecologist who explained to me that you need to have twelve consecutive. Which I think is something all women should know. We should be aware of that. So, I I realised I'd gone through the menopause. But it was one particular evening when I was getting ready for bed. Um, I looked in the mirror, and I did not recognise the person looking back at me, I was shocked. It was a real moment. of, And I just, all these negative words came into my head. Um, Oh, things like sweaty, bulbous, fat, ugly, old, worn out, tired. And then all of a sudden, this reality of who we are as women and what our purpose is in life, I then had this moment of thinking, what well, every purpose like breastfeeding my children, giving birth, nurturing them it sort of all of a sudden it felt like it had all stopped for me. So I decided to write down the words I was feeling, and I thought I'm going to do this again in a couple of days. So I did the same again, looked in the mirror, felt the same, decided to write all those words down, and in that moment, the word well, you're really on the scrap heap now, and I decided that I had to address this because if any of my girls came to me with those negative words about themselves, I'd have been horrified. i bring them up to be strong young women and independent women. So I was really shocked that I felt like this. And I also had a moment of clarity when I thought, I love a scrap heap. Um, my dad used to take me to car breakers yards and he used to love it um I used to as a small child I used to travel around every jumble sale that I could go to and I'd be only about seven or eight and I'd wait until the end and I think that a lot of the women feel sorry for me and say here you know you can have the what's left on this table for 10p and i used to go home with bags and bags. These were Wimmy's clothes. I know I was so small, but I used to take them home and cut them up and make them fit me. So anyone else's rubbish can't go past a skip without breaking my neck to have a look inside. (laughs) Um, So I realised that the word scrap heap was how I felt, but I was going to change the narrative around scrap heap. I wanted it to be a positive place, not a negative place. And so I realised that I have deep, meaningful conversations with lots of my friends, but none of us ever talked about menopause and how we really felt, and the darker side of it, and how it can affect your mind and physically, and the big impact it has on you. So I decided to talk to other women, um, my close friends to start with. And there were points I can say a couple burst into tears because they felt that relief of being able to talk about it. There's a lot of um, really positive female celebrities on the TV who have access to um, all the different HRT, um, testosterone gel, everything. But a lot of us, we don't. You know, that's not something that we can have. So I decided that I was going to create um, an image of each woman's individual menopause journey. So what I would do would be, whether it was negative or positive, it's entirely up to them. It would be led by them. We would have a conversation and through that conversation, I would pick out things that I thought, that's really great, that's really wonderful, that expresses really well. And yeah, we came up with Scrap Heap and I'm working with somebody amazing photographer called Laura Page. And the two of us worked together with our women. Um, so, yeah, we we had an exhibition in, I don't think when it was, January this year that was supported by the um, Art of a Healthy Lifespan through the Sheffield University. And they paid to curate it. So it was in it's in the showroom, you know, the little gallery of the showroom, little, it was big. I was so in awe. I was absolutely um it was just amazing. So I also realised that if I was gonna show these women's stories, that there also needed to be some information and knowledge behind it. So I decided to have fifty-one images Um, because that represents the um, average age in the UK but certainly doesn't represent our women um, because they all went through menopause at different times and I also decided that um, we were going to have a little timer so that for 12 seconds we set the timer and you write down how you feel about your body in a book that I have. Um, or you can just write down what you feel about the exhibitions entirely to tw- 12 seconds is not very long at all. And it was just absolutely brilliant. The 12 represents the 12 missing periods. So it opens up the conversation about, you know, 51 with the images, 12 seconds, you know, it was just it's fantastic. I was so in awe of myself. I was so proud of of this. There were points where I had, because I'm a wheelchair user, I had to sit in my chair and more or less pinch myself thinking, you created this. You made this happen. Um, and the images are really powerful. They are so powerful. Um, in sort of a one of them was two close friends, sisters. Um And they got diagnosed with the BRCA1 gene whilst going through the menopause. And they'd never really been close before, but this totally brought them together as sisters because they realised that their journey was going to be really difficult. So Laura and myself, we got the coding for the BRCA1 gene. And so it's an image of them two sat together, very close, and the BRCA1 gene is totally covering them. So that, that's an idea of, of what the images look like. It's so creative and
0: I love that creative way of addressing topics and issues that are challenging for people, but also finding the little pockets of beauty and the ways in which we can still celebrate each other. Yes. And our experience. And you know, the way that you explained the idea of scrap heat um, and how you've transformed the meaning of that, that that women, when we reach an age of menopause, it doesn't mean that we have no value. It doesn't mean that we don't have worth and meaning and purpose and something to give. And it's just amazing that you've used that concept and transformed it into something positive that women can come and share their genuine stories, support each other through the difficult periods and the difficult experiences, but also celebrate that they still have worth and value and beauty, can still be creatively expressive and appreciated. And what an amazing achievement that you've had to be able to. Have the work that you've done um, exposed and shared in the exhibition. Um, I just think that's absolutely fantastic, and you should be so proud of yourself. You absolutely you. should be. Um. So I think what I would love to know more about now is your personal experience of going through the menopause and how you found your way of making that something that you wanted to do something with, what, what was it about that experience that was so significant for you that made you want to fill that space of misinformation or lack of information and to give back your experience in a way that could be helpful?
1: I think for me it was that scrap heap moment that defining moment of you've changed you're a different person and for me being able to turn it into a positive through scrap heap rather than a negative um so i hate my boobs because they're not my boobs anymore they just feel different they weren't what i had when i was younger they're completely different also um I can't take any HRT or anything at all due to having a stroke and also they found out post stroke I'd got a clotting disorder as well in a hole in my heart which caused the stroke so um I just can't take HRT so I've got well, I think I've heard it called the meno belly so it's I feel bigger around my waist my boobs are definitely bigger and I hated this area this was the one specific area that I really focused on negatively So I decided the first image to be done for Scrap Heap was going to be my image. And I I wanted myself wrapped from here down to my belly in cling film. And I was then going to have my picture done with my boobs and bellies. For me, it was portraying that those parts of my body have changed. And I don't need to hide it away. I need to celebrate my changes and not feel negative about them. But the cling film was to distort the way I was thinking at the point when I realised, you know, I felt really negative about things. So I filled my space with um, understanding how important I am for my girls. And by doing what I do, um, I had the first conversation with my daughter which I never would have had you know she said to me and she's 30 she said mum can you tell me about the menopause because I don't know anything and our age we tend not to talk about it and it was just a really wonderful moment where I could share my experiences whether they be negative and then finding a positive because that is really important to talk about those dark moments to share them with your friends and then you will have that that moment when you realise they're also gone through that, going through it, you know, and you've had that moment and that connection of this is quite normal Um, and what amazing women we are. You know, I've got some amazing friends who, like I say, when they shared their experience, it was a really wonderful, I wish I'd have done a podcast actually, when we were all together pre-shoot. And the conversations were just amazing. And if I hadn't created Scrappy, those conversations wouldn't have happened. So, yeah, for me, um, I, I always glass half full. My glass is never half empty. Um, I have to find the positives in life. Um, and I'm pretty good at turning things around. Um, yeah, I, I've got a massive lust for life. I love life. I love my family. I love being here. In fact, I'm probably, no, not probably, definitely more confident as a woman than I ever have been. I feel far more positive. You've got to think, don't have any periods. That's a bonus. And believe it or not, you can see my hair pre-menopause. I had bang straight hair. It went curly through the menopause. (laughs) I just dip my head upside down and dry it now. All the years in the eighties I used to paint for perms to have a curly perm and I don't even need one now, which is just amazing. <laughs> All my children are like, Why is your hair curly? I was like, I don't know. It must be a hormone or something. I have seen it said before, it's happened with other women. So they've had straight hair, but their hair's become curly through the menopause. It's so lovely that you found so many positive things
0: to focus on through your experience. And I just want to touch on what you said about the image that you created of yourself and how you felt a need to expose yourself, but the Kling film became a metaphor for your distorted thinking. I just think that's such a wonderful creative idea and interpretation of that inner experience um it would be lovely to get some copies of some of the images from you if you're happy for me to just include those at the end of the video as a bit of a slideshow I'd really love to to show some of those images because it's so powerful when you can take an emotional experience that you've had and find a way of recreating that in a form that other people can experience and take their own experiences yeah. from that there's something um really beautiful in that and the conversations that you must have had with those women um before the showcase before the um exhibition I can just imagine were so fulfilling and there is something connecting about having conversations with people where you share some of the deeper, darker aspects of your experience. Because when we're generally in conversation in everyday life, we often try to focus on the positive, the light parts of our experience, which is lovely. And I think it's healthy. But I also think there is a place for saying, this is really hard for me. I'm really struggling with this. I find this difficult. And to have somebody else say, I understand. I can relate to what you're saying. I've been there. I felt that. I know how that feels. And it just, for me, when I have that experience within my own life, it just brings such a deep sense of relaxation. It's like a deep exhale. I'm not alone. I'm not on my own in this experience there are other people who understand where I'm coming from, what I've been through, I can lean on them for support, I can talk to people and they know what I've been going through and you know to to have that experience and then to also find the sense of brightness and lightness and I am absolutely in awe of the way in which you've found those positive experiences you don't have to handle periods anymore you've got this gorgeous curly hair now you know there are so many things that you can still continue to celebrate and I actually want to continue on that theme actually and ask what are the the positive parts of wisdom or insight that you've gained from going through that experience because I think that when you experience any kind of physical change in your body it brings a depth of understanding and insight and intuition that you have never had before and I can only imagine that you've opened up within yourself a depth of wisdom and insight through that experience and I wonder if you would be open to sharing um obviously what you want to but more positive things that you've gained from going through the menopause and and your stroke experience as well if you want to bring that into it
1: I think it's um well like wrapping myself in cling film I'm putting myself I had a very big image of myself done was if you'd have told me that five years ago I'd have been horrified that I was actually going to be semi-naked in front of members of the public i would have curled up and wanted to die but by doing that for me it was like this is me this is who i am and i'm celebrating who i am um so yeah the positives made what were that very sort of defining moment of being able to go i don't actually care it's wonderful as well not um you realise all the pressures that you have on yourself as a young woman, even more so now with all the social media and, and the constant drive for perfection and, you know, everybody going to have the, the teeth whitened and have the best teeth. I, I, like, you know, for me, it's like, no, these are my teeth and they're staying, you know, they've been with me since I was born. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm somebody who will always celebrate being who you are. And my children call me weird, which is fine. Um I'm happy to be weird. Um it's a great place actually. Um I don't know, I just feel more confident in myself. As a mum, as a person, as a woman. Um yeah I am just completely happy. I can't I can't it's really hard to sort of like it's very holistic for me. It's a massive bubble of everything's in there, a, a joyous feeling of celebration of being, having gone through the menopause. I still get hot flushes. Um, I still have the joint pain. I still have all of that. Um, my skin has aged. Um, I don't spend a fortune. I worked in the beauty industry for a lot of years where. I found women would come to me and want products that they'd seen on the TV or felt they were aging. And as a consultant, my job was to sell them the most expensive stuff and lots of it, and I refused to do that um, because I felt that was not okay. And I had some amazing customers. We had some really good deep conversations where um, I'd sit them down. There was one particular woman whose husband was cheating on her uh, with the local barmaid, um, as a bit of a cliche. And she, was, she came to me, to Clarence, to um, get... She wanted, I think it was a new foundation lipstick, to make herself... Look, she was beautiful. She was absolutely beautiful, this woman. And she said she was going out with her girlfriends and she was going to go into the bar where this woman was and make this woman feel uncomfortable. So I did a makeup for her, and, sat, and I sat her down and I said, "Go out, buy yourself some nice underwear instead of buying any makeup. I've done your makeup. Buy some nice underwear, get yourself a new fragrance, go home, get dressed up, and do not go in that bar. go somewhere else and have a great time with your girlfriends." And just think, because you are beautiful and you're intelligent and you've got so much to offer the world. So she did. And a week later, she came out with a massive bunch of flowers and said, that underwear and perfume and that chat changed my life. She said, you know, I felt stronger as a woman. And I think that is um, what we do as women. That's um, That's our superpower. You know, when we're together, we can be really open and talk. And I'm a talker. I love talking. I talk to anyone and everyone because I think everyone's always got a really interesting story to tell. My kids hate it, especially the younger ones who are out. They're like, mum, we never get anywhere because wherever you go, you either know someone or you just end up talking to random people. I'm like, yeah, and sometimes these random people are amazing. It's just if you take time to talk to them. So, yeah, I I used to feel um, – I never used to feel confident in doing that years ago. I did it, but now I'm I'm an open book. Um, people could come and talk to me about anything in fact I was thinking about doing a little video because I went to Glastonbury at the weekend never been before always wanted to go it was top of my list of going to Glastonbury so I never expected to do it in a wheelchair Um, I always thought myself being able to get round, but no sadly not this wheelchair Um, it was hard work. It was um I also have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and the fatigue was immense because I was out of my comfort zone of having all my mobility aids um and it was just and you've never seen a festival toilet until you've seen Glastonbury. Their festival toilets are just oh the next level. They really are next level. It's like, you know, they have a choice. You can go for your compost ones, you can go for your chemical-free ones, or you can go for your box standard where you pull the handle and the blue stuff shoots down, doesn't do anything. Nothing moves. Everything stays in one place. So, yeah, for me, it was really hard work, but I'm so glad I did it. But I'll never go back again, even though music is my life. I will not go back again because I know that it's taken so much out of me. Um and I really struggled when I got back. I just sort of I had a conversation with my dad on the phone the other day and I was actually slurring, which made him panic because he thought I'd had another stroke. But I was actually falling asleep while I was talking to him. You know, when you're really tired and the phone keeps hitting your head. Yeah, there was a, a few moments, <laughs> a few moments of that. So I'm still recouping my energy. So yeah, the the positive me now will give everything a go um and i used to suffer with anxiety i learnt how to breathe i learnt how to be self aware and now uh, the anxiety's completely gone i felt a bit um there were so many people it's 230,000 people who go And for me, being in big crowds makes me feel, especially in my chair. Um, So that was really difficult. Um, I found that bit really hard, but I did overcome it. You know, I just decided not to go out late at night. (laughs) Or if I did, not go too far, because it was a different... There's a day Glastonbury and there's a night Glastonbury. You know, two different things. They really are. And people like me shouldn't be out at night. (laughs) I should be... I should be somewhere safe, but yeah. And we didn't see Elton John. We must be, everyone says, oh, did you see Elton? No, nope, didn't see Elton John. We made a, a, a choice not to, and glad, because when you saw the field and how many people were, were in that field, I I don't think, it's just been, we're watching it on the telly. And the bands we miss, we're going to watch on the TV. So that's the best way to do it. Does that answer your question? Because I dive I go off on a tangent quite often. So
0: I really enjoy that though, because it's often when people just allow themselves to follow the flow of what they want to say that really interesting, insightful things come out. And um, yeah. um, you know, it sounds like from what you've said, you've had to adapt, you've had to adjust the way that you live your life but you've not let that stop you from doing the things that you want to do and if anything it's actually encouraged you to do more of the things that you actually want to do with um, an overview of ensuring that you're safe and able to get around in the way that you want to as well like I acknowledge that you have to make some considerations in a way that you may not have had to do before but it's not stopping you from doing the things that you want to do and I absolutely love what you said about being a talker and how you will talk to anyone because I think that everyone is a little piece of the jigsaw of life and I think if you want to get a really full picture of what life is really about. The more people that you speak to, the more little pieces of the jigsaw you get, you know, the more little pieces of information that you get. Um, So I love that. I can just imagine you being out, happy, chatting to people, having interesting conversations. And I think that you do bounce off other people when you have those kinds of conversations. And I I always find that when I talk to people, I learn something new about them, but also about myself as well. Yes. You know, I find conversations with people really help me to open up my understanding of who I am as well as who they are. And um again, it's just a lovely way of being able to connect and deepen our connection to life in general. So I think it's wonderful that you found um your sense of confidence, the fact that you understand who you are, you know who you are, you seem really happy to be yourself and not feel like you have to project an image of who you think you should be or how you think you should look it you know it just sounds like such a wonderful place to be to just say this is my body this is my mind this is my heart this is my soul this is who I am and I'm going to celebrate who I am and I'm going to live my life how I want to do the things that I want to do Regardless of the things that might hold me back, I'm going to just continue doing the things that bring me joy and make me happy. And I think that's wonderful. And I can imagine that that comes through in the work that you do with other women as well, because any kind of change or transition can really impact our self-esteem and confidence, I think, especially if it is physical, even if it's emotional changes. Um, You know, so the fact that you found your sense of inner confidence, you know, you've got an ability then to be able to role model that for people who might be going through a transition similar to what you've been through, but really struggle to love their bodies and love themselves through that transition as well.
1: I do have another exhibition coming up. Oh, lovely. I've got one through um, Hallam University. That will be round about. It's for World Menopause Day, um, which is now. Let me think. I can't remember. I'm not good with dates. Post stroke. It's around October time, I think. Um, so that will be in Sheffield. And I also have. Now this is scrap heap, but done slightly differently. They have given me a micro grant to, um, instead of facilitating other people's stories they want my story they want what made me think of Scrappy and who I am so that's happening in February next year which I'm when they first asked me when I first got the email because I had a meeting and then they sent me an email saying we'd love to do it but we'd like to do it slightly differently I just absolutely fell apart because I thought, oh, it's about me. That's narcissistic. I can't do that. There's no way. I don't want it to be about me. This is about other women, not me. And then by the time I woke up in the morning, I would slept very much. I was thinking, I can do this, I can do that, and I can do this, and that would be amazing. And I was so excited. So I then went back to them with my ideas, and they were like, absolutely. They were so pleased. So, yeah, that should be... That should be a really interesting one. And on the opening night, we will project um, on the side of Exchange Play Studios the images of the women through Scrap Heap. Then you'll come into the main gallery and it'll be a soundscape um, of voices and women talking about how they feel. And then there'll be my Scrap Heap. And it's on for six weeks I'm dead excited about that there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff in the making <laughs> that sounds absolutely
0: incredible and I would love it if you could share the dates of those exhibitions yeah, with yeah. me so that I can share those in the notes for the podcast and can understand the apprehension that you had about sharing your story and at the same time understand why it's interesting for people to hear and know about it because I think that there is something really significant about somebody who has used their own experience to help and support others and it's interesting to know where that purpose came from so I think it's really I think it's really good that you're going to have the opportunity to share your story and that's what I'm I'm personally interested in as well you know I want to hear more about you and what motivates you and what inspires you to do the things that you do to help other women because um, that you know that's what's really interesting for me personally but I think that that will be a really lovely exhibition as well so I'm glad that you've owned that and you found the confidence to go actually it's not narcissistic this is just an opportunity for me to share my voice my story what I've been through and even you know even that still has the potential to help influence and support and inspire other people as well so I'm really hoping that that goes well I'm sure it will um yeah, sorry, go on.
1: I was going to share something else with you, which I'm not sure whether I should, but you can edit it out if you want. I won't go now, on. When I was at, <laughs> this, is, this is funny. This is uh, my husband said, you've got to, the world has to know this. So when I was at Glastonbury for the whole week, I got really constipated. And because you're eating different food, I eat lots of fruit and veg and eat a lot of different food. And then on the leaving day, my husband had to go off and get the car and bring it back which all in all took him about an over an hour and i got out of bed and i thought i need to poo and i can't get to the toilets on my own and because i didn't have the mobility scooter i was using had gone back i couldn't get to the toilet so even if i got to the toilet i wouldn't be able to get off it because i need help getting off it i had to poo in a carrier bag <laughs> i actually had to do that And it was like, this is the first time in my life that I've had to do something like this. And it's just the thought of how many other people have had to do that at 58 years old in a carry bag. So I got this lovely text from my husband as he'd reached the car. It said, "Um, Donzie, I love you so much. I hope you're okay." And the text I replied with is, you might not love me as much as you think you do when you get back. And you realize what I've done. So yeah, that was my that was my moment of of shame. Uh, but it was actually quite clever to think do that. You know, I had to come up with that one.
0: Yeah, I I imagine that it's for you. That's just you living your life and doing what you need to do to take care of yourself. And you know from from somebody who has the ability to be able to get up and just go to the toilet I absolutely take that for granted and yeah yeah you know I I I can imagine that um you know you've found a way of being light about it and I think that's one of the great ways that you can handle those kinds of experiences but at yeah, the yeah. same time kind of recognize that you have got some challenges that you've had to adapt oh, to yeah. and
1: learn to live with um When I'm out of my home, I become very aware of them. Yeah, Like like you say, we all take going to the toilet for granted, but say, for instance, there's uh, quite a lot of venues and a lot of pubs in Sheffield. I'm not going to name any, but when you go in, they've got beautiful women's toilets, beautiful um, men's toilets, but no accessible toilet. Mm. Um, And so my husband has to come into the ladies with me, and he's a really tall chap and so shutting the door sometimes is really difficult and i have to self catheterize so doing that whilst feeling really vulnerable mm. and it yeah it's a challenge and it's not until you live that life that you realize all the all the things that you do overcome you have to overcome i could easily just withdraw and stay in the house where i have everything that makes me feel comfortable and happy. But I love a challenge. I love to go and see that Tramline's Fringe. I can't wait for Tramline's Fringe. Um, and so all the things which I know will be a few difficulties with accessible toilets. There probably won't be any. Um, but yeah, it's, it is overcoming all those things. I think it highlights that
0: there is still a lot of work to do in making life accessible for people who um you know who need that different perspective of viewing life you know how how does how is a street for somebody that walks down it who doesn't have their vision you know how can somebody who has lost their hearing mobilize themselves around safely there is I think there is still a lot of work to do Um, in the way that our cities um, are developed to ensure that they are safe and accessible for everyone. And your experiences have just really highlighted that. And it's easy when you don't have accessibility needs to take that for granted and really forget that life can be different depending on your personal experiences of how you move around and how you mobilize. and kind of on that on that topic, I guess, I wonder if you would be open to sharing how you, ma- how you manage that for yourself. So I imagine from what you've said, there are potentially points in your life where you feel disappointed about the fact that life isn't as supportive for where you're at with your needs now. How do you how do you manage that within yourself? How do you move forward knowing that there are areas of life that have really failed you in how, in how you need to live and get about?
1: Yeah, there are large areas. And for me, um, as an example, my dad lives in Cromer and we go to visit him quite often. And, um, Alan and myself, my husband, we'd gone to this lovely restaurant, so I was in my chair and they wheeled me in and gave us the menus and I said, it's beautiful, you can see it recently be done up, looked amazing. Um, I said, can I just use your accessible toilet, assuming such a beautiful restaurant like that, that was really thought out well, would have an accessible toilet, and no accessible toilet. Really sorry. You know, we haven't got one, and you know, it's just that it's, just a, it's a human right to be able to go to the toilet. um So my husband had to sort of more or less drag me out of my chair and walk along to the toilet. It was just humiliating, actually. We decided not to eat there in the end because we felt, you know. So I I have to plan a lot. I have to phone ahead. I have to phone ahead and say. Um, have you got lots of steps um have you got an accessible toilet and that makes life really hard so when you suffer with chronic fatigue all that planning before you go anywhere is such hard work I've got some amazing friends who are really supportive and if they arrange any events always do that for me which is lovely um so that I always feel like I can go along but um there are a lot of gigs that are downstairs and they were the ones I used to go to. And I have, I've got a leg. They made me um, a leg to keep my left leg from rotating. Um, and we call it venom because it's black and shiny and it goes all the way from my foot up to my hip. And I have worn that before to go up and down steps and my husband drags my leg. So it's really Even that doesn't stop me if I really want to go. But I always say that I feel visibly invisible. So I'm so visible to everyone because when you're in a chair, people are never sure how to react. And if we're out, they always talk to Alan rather than myself. And it's it's their fears That they may be put into an awkward situation if I don't understand that sort of again I quite often make people feel at ease by saying oh it's okay it's me who's making this request or asking this question um but being invisible means society doesn't recognize you in any way because you're irrelevant in a lot of a lot of things bizarrely when it comes to shopping the best place to shop which I'm not so keen on because I don't always go in there, and it's not my... I love charity shops. They are the most inaccessible place you can ever go. You go in, and I quite often take the lovely China aisle out with me. Um, But, yeah, Primark, bizarrely. They have a designated till point, and if there's a massive queue, you can go right to the front of the queue and go to that designated till point. If you need a toilet while you're in there, they have ground you just need to ask a member of staff and they will take you if you you have any sort of accessibility needs it's just amazing but it's the one place I don't want to shop really um but it's the one place that let you go to the front of the queue which is quite handy sometimes especially when you see the queues in Primark
0: it I think there are a lot of places that could learn some Lessons from how Primark have treated you when you've been there, and can also understand why you wouldn't necessarily want to shop there as well. But the experience that you've had there, I think, is something that could and should be replicated in more places so that you don't find being out and about as challenging as you might do at the moment. And it's great that you've got friends and family to support you. And what really came through for me was just your absolute determination to just continue doing the things that you want to do regardless I really get the sense that you will not let anything stop you and I really admire (laughs) admire that and also at the same time recognize the challenges that you will have inevitably had to face that other people may not have had to face and just really want to honor um you know, how you've moved through those and, and worked through those and still found your own sense of confidence and dignity and self-expression through that. Um, so I what I would really love to know now is for anybody like myself who can see menopause on the horizon as something that we Are inevitably going to be walking through as an experience. What would your wisdom or insight be for those women who maybe haven't had the information and the knowledge and the experiences that you've had around menopause, but want to prepare themselves for that experience as it comes up?
1: Um, I think research talk to people, Um, understand that HRT isn't your only option. There are other ways, um, and there are ways of, by just putting your feet in the grass um, and grounding yourself and celebrating all these changes. Um, You know, women have done this for a long, long time since existence, you know, apart from when they die because they've been eaten by a dinosaur. Whatever, but you know, this is this is something that we have, and you know, it's it's a really it's a slow change, but some of it is very um just something that you've never experienced before. I'll give you an example. I would go to the toilet, we've got an accessible toilet upstairs and downstairs. So if I use the one downstairs, when I used to sit, this is a couple of years ago now, when I sit on the toilet. I couldn't remember what was on the other side of the wall I couldn't remember what the outside of my house looked like now I actually thought I've got dementia I've got early onset dementia so how can I not know what's on the other side of the wall I've just come from outside so it seemed really weird but then when I started Scrappy, I met this wonderful woman called Rosie and when I talked about her journey she told me about How when she'd leave her house, she couldn't remember what her front door looked like. And I was like, Oh, you are the only person I know who's ever experienced that much. She said, I thought I'd got dementia. I was like, Yes, we were both celebrating the fact that we couldn't remember. She said, I can't remember. She said, I'd go to a garden centre and I'd be standing there for ten minutes trying to remember what my front door looked like. (laughs) So yeah, every everything that happens. Um, is not a negative. They do feel negative. That's a, you know, because the changes are so different and your body does change. But also, if you need any um, medical intervention, it's really good to get a good GP who you can talk to openly, honestly, book a double appointment. Um, Lots of GPs now, um, menopause is being um discussed and taken far more seriously than it ever was like even when I went through mine was a bit like "What well, is the menopause get on with it you know and in that short amount of time in those seven years there's been a massive sort of swing and a change to actually you know talk to people talk to women who've been through the menopause don't feel ashamed um to ask them and they might go oh what makes you think i've gone through the menopause you know it's fine you know anyone can ask me anything but the yeah there are so many so many new things but where we are the other side it's pretty pretty special i love it just love it i love curly hair (laughs) always wanted curly hair (gasps) and if you your boobs your boobs definitely change shape get some nice brows. Buy yourself a nice fancy bra, you know, and and love your body and embrace those changes. And I love everything about myself now. You know, um, the hatred was a really negative thing and it used up too much of my energy. So that wasn't going to happen anymore. Mm. No, life is precious.
0: Absolutely, it is. And I think it's important to acknowledge that there isn't one perspective of beauty there you know Hmm. beauty doesn't look a certain way um Yeah, yeah and we can find beauty in anything and everything if we know where to look um so I think that's wonderful and I I want to explore more about your accessibility experience but I think I might save that for another podcast if you'd be open to coming on again and maybe digging into that experience a little bit more because I think that you've got a, a you know a wealth of knowledge and experience around that that I'd really love to explore more with you but for today's episode I wonder if you've got any final thoughts words of wisdom insights knowledge that you would like to share um just yeah as a kind of final thought
1: uh I have to go like I said I've done really well not to swear through this because I'm quite sweary you can swear um, you can swear
0: on the pod right well I'm definitely getting you on again so that we can have yeah, a sweary right, okay. episode
1: I'm, <laughs> i really really was holding it all in no fucks Yay. given that is how I feel that's exactly how I feel and they are my my pearls of wisdom I can say that now and that's how I feel um about most things and you know I just get on with it I just get on and enjoy and you know I lost my mum very suddenly and she was only 69 and that really changed my life sort of made me realize that you know because you always assume people are there forever but when that happened, I kind of gone grief is a weird thing. you like you can either carry it around on your back or you can embrace it and understand that you know I am part of my mum and I 'd live on. she'll live on in me, and she was an amazing woman, she was absolutely fantastic. she was barking, absolutely barking. she really was she used to make um Sculptures of old bed frames with an arc welder. So I'd come home from school and there'd be this like giant, um, rusty horse, which would be beautiful in the middle of the garden. I was like, What's the change she's like, Oh, do I have to feed you? yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> what she'd create was she was very tormented as well. She was, um, my mum was a lesbian and she was always a lesbian, but it was illegal then and she had to hide her sexuality uh for a lot of years and she did what was expected of her within society she had one boy one girl um but it wasn't until she was in her I think she was about 55 and she said she said I'm fucking off to America she'd never left the country (laughs) I'm like oh okay um she'd also been an alcoholic but she was in recovery she was sober sobriety she'd not had a drink for years and so she goes off to to America to join this um, they're called Sisters in Sobriety so it's for obviously lesbian women to get together who had alcohol issues and then when she came back she just said to my dad I'm gay I've always been gay and I'm leaving you and it was just wonderful because she could be really who she wanted to be And she was just amazing. She supported so many people with um, alcohol issues, set up her own groups, uh, was one of the first people to set up an internet um, AA because she felt that there wasn't always anonymity because one day she went to a GP to ask for help with her alcohol problem and he sort of more or less brushed it aside. And then 10 years later at a meeting, her GP walks in so she felt, you know, for him, that must have been really uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, that, that didn't feel. And then that was at the point where um, the Internet was taking off and we were all home computers, even though they were massive. And my mum was always incredibly techie. Um, as a kid, she'd take everything apart. She'd take a radio apart. When she was about five and then put it all back together just to see how it worked. Yeah, so she's an amazing woman. So losing her made me think I've got to live every day for her. That's what she would want. Mm.
0: That's beautiful. And it's lovely that you've been able to take that from her life, that yeah, understanding that it's important to be true to yourself and live as much as you possibly can in this life thank you so much Donna for taking the time to join me today um it's been such an insightful conversation thank you for sharing your experiences and your wisdom and your knowledge I would absolutely love to have you on again I feel like there's so much more that I want to ask you about um so (laughs) yeah it'd be lovely to have you on again at some point in the future but please send me um details of your exhibitions your upcoming exhibitions how people can get in touch with you if they want to connect with you and it would be lovely to have some photographs that you've produced to to kind of share as a bit of a slideshow at the end of of the podcast um but yeah thank you so much for taking the time to be here it's been a pleasure pleasure lovely thanks a lot
1: take care thanks Bye. bye